What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. We discuss if BYU basketball is really as good as Joe Lunardi and all of the national metrics say the Cougars are and do so with ESPN's Sean Farnham. On the next episode, we'll preview BYU's matchup in the Marriott Center against the Texas Longhorns. And is it a must-win for the Cougars? Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Station podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN here on BYU Radio. Next on BYUSN, in spite of a 2-4 start to Big 12 play for BYU men's basketball, metrics and analysts remain very high on the Cougars. Are we as convinced that BYU is that good? We'll be joined by ESPN Sean Farnham to talk about that 2-4 start in the Big 12, where BYU can specifically improve, and why he likes Texas, or rather BYU against Texas, and more. Plus, do we think that BYU will be a higher seed in the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament? And baseball is right around the corner with the Big 12 preseason poll being released later today. Where do we expect BYU to land in that poll? we got questions for days, and we're going to attempt some answers. We're just going to keep throwing out questions. No answers, just questions. questions. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. I'm Ron Burgundy. Official of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, January 25th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a fan of the Utah Yetis, Jason Shepard. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Now, we're joking, of course, but possibly the name of the new NHL team. Uh, Ryan Smith, owner of the Utah yeah. Jazz, big yeah. BYU guy. See him at a lot of the basketball games and football games and whatnot. Bring hockey to Utah. Yes, yesterday officially putting in the paperwork, put, saying we are officially applying for an expansion NHL franchise for the state of Utah. He ended up going on uh, the Pat McAfee show uh-huh. and uh, interesting conversations. <laughs> um, but one of the things that he was asked about was, do you have any possible team names? Yeah. And one of the ones he said he's seen on social media, he mentioned two. He said the Utah Venoms. And then he said the one he actually kind of likes, he saw somebody uh, mention the Utah Yetis. Yes. So uh, he said he kind of liked that one. So who knows? He, he also referenced the U from Utah mm-hmm. and the Y yeah. from Yetis, the U and the Y coming together. Bring, bringing the two band bases together. I don't know how I felt about that. <laughs> All I know is no one's going to call them, they're not going to call them the Utah. They're going to call them the Yetis, so the Y will Yetis. be prominent. Yeah. Uh, Ryan no. Smith also told Pat McAfee he needs some new content on his show when it pertains to BYU. <laughs> <laughs> just, just watch. You'll know what we're talking about. That said, all rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. These guys have the green light. They get out. They really push the advance. So many weapons for these BYU Cougars. We like this all year We understand what we're walking in. We believe we can go win. Buying the big picture. Are you all in on BYU like the national analysts and metrics are? Let's just go ahead and recap. After BYU's 12-1 non-conference start, we felt like, man, it's not going to get much better than this. And to maintain this, they're probably going to have to win double-digit games in the Big 12. Jason, we're six games into the Big 12. BYU's only won two of those. They've been competitive in all six. So, Moral victory of sorts there, but they've been certainly competitive in all six Big 12 games with just the two victories. However, they've only dropped nine spots in the AP poll from 12 to 21, seven spots in the coaches poll from 12 to 19. But more importantly, when you were looking at the analytics that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee primarily uses, the net and the Ken Palm rating, 
BYU's dropped from two in net to five, and four in Ken Palm to nine. So they're top nine in net and Ken Palm, and still nationally ranked in both of the human polls. And BYU is projected, according to Ken Palm, to go 11 and seven still in Big 12 play. And this is for those of you who are like, what about the two and four start? Apparently, BYU has had the second toughest Big 12 schedule of any Big 12 team. So second toughest of the 14 teams through six games. Yes. All of that being said, are you as convinced? Oh, and let's throw in the fact that BYU is a five seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology and the 19th overall seed. Like, are, are you as convinced that as Joe Lenardi and as the metrics that BYU is as good as constituted in those numbers. Look, in this, I, I want to preface this by saying, I realize the irony of what I'm about to say. I am not a, I, I'm not the guy that 100% relies on analytics and the stats. That's not how my brain works. <laughs> okay, I, that's just not. That's not how I do things, right? You do it from here? From, I do it from the heart I area? From, I do it from the heart. That's where it <laughs> comes from right here. But, so I, I, again, with that being said, all of the numbers speak to how good this BYU team still is. And whether I use analytics to the extent that maybe others do in making decisions or preparation, things like that, the people that will ultimately make BYU's postseason dreams come true or not, they rely heavily on what we're seeing with the numbers. And so, yes, I'm buying into where BYU is based on the numbers because that's what this is going to boil down to. Now, make no mistake about it. BYU's got to start winning some of these games. There's no question that they have to. Yes, work to do. There's, there's work to do. But the losses have not been detrimental to BYU's postseason chances. And I think a lot of this is we were so um, conditioned for the last decade plus that as soon as BYU lost a game or two, it was done. And that's what has been our mindset in the WCC. And so we're still thinking the way we were over the past 11, 12 years, and that's now over. That's done. Those ty- that type of thinking no longer needs to happen because of the league that BYU's in, and you're seeing it playing out with what we're seeing in Kim Palm and the net, that even though BYU has lost these games, they're, they're not being punished for it when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Now, again, you got to win. In Texas, this is a big, big game on Saturday. I think BYU is going to win this game. Yeah. But, but you got you to start winning some of them. I think they will. And then, but, but at the end of the day, all of the doom and gloom, it just, right now, it's not necessary. I know it stinks when they lose a game, but the doom and gloom that it's over, that, that's, that's not the case. We'll get into the details of what's on the line tomorrow in the BYU-Texas matchup per se. I'm not sure that there's much outside of a national ranking in the AP poll and coaches poll that's on the line for BYU. The metrics, because Texas is playing so well and they have elevated their resume so much recently, even if BYU lost that game, it's like, okay, what's a quad two loss? Huh. Are they dropped a couple of spots in Ken Palm and a couple of spots in that... And they're 2-5, and and BYU has a week off to prepare for West Virginia. 
However, there is the desperation factor that then sets in knowing that, oh my gosh, we've lost three straight and now we're going to Morgantown and West Virginia is super good on their home floor. So there is certainly some urgency that BYU needs to, as you said, win a game to validate these metrics, specifically against Texas. If you want to get into the NCAA tournament, John Rothstein told us, BYU has to take care of business on their home floor. They have to play well Mm -hmm. on their home floor, win a majority of the games on the home floor. So let's say BYU goes 5-4 and in Provo, and they go 3-6 and on the road. That's an 8-10 and mark. I think they're still one game better than that. I think BYU... And I'm trusting the law of averages here. And, and I'm trusting the metrics. They say that BYU is good enough to go 11-7 and seven, and that BYU is favored in nine of the remaining 12 Big 12 games. Can BYU win six or seven of those? Certainly. So, yes, I'm buying in because the metrics, at, at this juncture when you've played 19 games, it's not like we're working with this tiny, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, test subject, mm-hmm. like this small amount of information, right. three games, four games. This is 19 games of information and six games in Big 12 play. Yeah, the sample size is much larger. 100%. Yeah. It, 100%. So with the sample size bigger, I, I'm going to go ahead and trust that BYU is who the numbers say they are. Right. Well, look, and he, I don't know how you feel about this. I think, I think you and I are kind of on the same page with this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Based off of what we thought BYU would, from a conference record at this point, if we, if before the season started, we say on the 25th of January, what would BYU's conference record be? I think BYU's one game behind where I thought they would be. And the one game, I thought BYU would beat Cincinnati at home. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, people he, expected BYU yeah, to yeah. win that, that opener because Cincinnati hadn't been battle-tested yes. as much in non-conference. And, the Marriott Center is, it was a hornet's nest, and it was like it was so loud. BYU didn't play very well. Right. They didn't shoot well. They had the worst shooting performance of the season that night. I'm not, I'm not even put, taking into account some of these games that, that maybe we didn't think BYU was going to have a great shot at and then had these big leads at halftime or had you know, a double-digit second-half lead and ultimately not able to win it. I'm just talking about what you thought the end result was going yeah. to be. I, I think BYU and I think probably most people, if you look at it, the Cougars are just one game off probably where you thought they'd but be right Jason, now anyway. if they beat Texas on Saturday, yes. they are exactly where I thought they would be yeah. going into February. I, had, I went game by game through the Big 12 schedule to come up with my projection of nine wins. And at the end of January, I had BYU at three and four. I didn't think it was going to be the opponents. Yeah, it was a different, it was a different combination different, yes, of wins. Different combination, yes. But I had BYU probably at three and four, and then it lightens a little bit in February, and specifically early March when BYU's got Oklahoma State and Provo on March 9th. And thought, okay, there's there's the path to nine wins. So if BYU beats Texas, they are right where I thought they would be. So again, I I am buying in. It's still a little bit incredible to me that BYU is a five seed. At two and four in the Big 12, which just shows you how tough the conference is and how much it is respected by the national analysts and how like numbers are respecter of no persons. It's just math, right? Yeah. Like Ken yeah. Palm, when he comes on the show, he always says like, look, this is not like a fan thing at all. Right. Like, it has nothing to do with me liking a certain team, even though some fans are like, what the heck? Ken Palm's got assists low. He's like, it has nothing to do with yeah. me disliking or liking your team. It's just math. Yes. There's no emotion in it. 
Though the emotionless numbers say BYU is one of the most efficient teams in the entire country on offense and defense. One of the few times we all love math, Spencer. Okay? <laughs> Nobody loves math. But now we do. What's it going to take? My question is, what is it going to take for BYU fans to agree with the things that continue to come out week after week after week, even after four Big 12 losses? Because I feel, I sense in my Twitter account or my X account, whatever the heck you want to call it, that there is real trepidation and not even cautious optimism, just caution. Like, uh, I don't know. I know Lenardi says this and... I know BYU is the top 10. I'm just waiting for the, fall, the bottom to fall out. Why? What, what has BYU done in the six games to make you think they're a paper tiger? They've been competitive in every single yes. game. We're frustrated because, and BYU's players are ultra frustrated, yes. Jason, because they feel like they should have a winning record. Yes. You can absolutely be frustrated with the way some of these games have played out, but there's, there's two sides to that. You can be, you're frustrated because they had a chance to win the game. Yes, they have not been able to close out some of these games that would have been really big wins and, and, and really catapulted the Cougars higher than even what they are now. But you're, we're, all, we're all disappointed because they, they are good enough to win some of these games. And sooner or later, they are going to start winning some of these games that maybe others didn't expect. Because, and and I, was, I had this conversation with Trevor Nell before the game against Houston, and we were talking about losing the lead at Texas Tech. Yeah. And, and th- th- it was not lip service. Th- this, I believed him 100%. He said, we came out of that, yeah, it stinks to lose, but we came out of that very confident. Look what we did in that first half. It showed us we belong in this conference. They were, they were certainly disappointed they couldn't finish it, but they ended that game feeling really good about what their, what their ability is and their ability to do good things in the Big 12. I talked with multiple BYU players after that heartbreaking loss against Houston. And the consensus was, man, we're super frustrated right now. But you have to consider that we just went toe-to-toe with a team that could legitimately win the national championship. <laughs> We erased a 13-point deficit. Yes, home court advantage is a real thing, and BYU took full advantage of that in that rally to come back, and they used the momentum, and it was special, and the building is just on fire, right? That, that is an element to it, but BYU erased a 13-point deficit yeah. against the best defensive team in the entire country while BYU was not particularly shooting the ball well or playing at a super high level. But, man, they played hard. If BYU plays with that type of effort against Texas and against West Virginia and against Kansas State and against any Big 12 team you want to throw into that sentence, they're going to win a bunch of games and have a quality resume. I I just don't understand why people think all of a sudden BYU is going to quit playing well or quit playing hard. You have 19 games of evidence. And you have, more importantly, six games of evidence in the Big 12 and we're frustrated because BYU probably, at worst, should be three and three, if not four and yeah. two, but they're two and four. And you're starting to get as close to full strength as you've been all year. Yes, you're not going to have Dawson Baker. We know that, but you're you're actually going to you're getting closer to having your your full complement of players for a considerable amount of time. Yes. Also, let me throw in this little caveat at the very end of this conversation before we get into our question of the day. And maybe this is uh, 
our unofficial stat of the day. BYU's remaining strength of schedule, Jason, Mm -hmm. out of 362 teams across the country, is 32. It's like, whoa, that's tough. 32nd toughest schedule out of the 362 teams? Legitimate. But no other Big 12 team besides BYU is outside the top 14 in toughest remaining schedules, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index. So when I say BYU's schedule lightens, that is quite literal, and there is a somewhat of a significant difference between BYU and the rest of right. the remaining Big 12 teams because of what BYU faced in the first six games, because it was so difficult, right? And then how the schedule just shakes out with however the conference decided you know, they wanted to pair up teams. So there is a little bit of a benefit there, which is also helping me think, okay, BYU is going to win eight or nine conference games because they play this well. I've seen enough that I, I'm not going to doubt that the law of averages will come into play here. BYU will shoot the three well in yep. certain games. They'll play like they did against Iowa State at certain times, and they'll have a sec, our first half like they did against Texas Tech in, in future games, and that'll be enough to beat some of these teams that are not world beaters like Houston, yeah. right? So I, I'm, I'm bought in. There's, there's enough yes. on, meat on the bone there, 19 games into the season, where I'm just like, okay, yeah, I – I'm buying that BYU can be a 500 team in the Big 12. Well, hopefully people feel better. Because the sky, it's not falling. It's not, <laughs> it's not falling. I just look. It's, it's fine. It's still there. Yeah, well, you, we, you and I both know after BYU lost, uh, after they lost our second uh, Big 12 game and we're 1-2 and two and Iowa State was coming to town, it was like, oh, BYU's going to be lucky to win four conference games all year. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Trust, trust the numbers. I thought you thought you were going to say trust the process. No, I thought you were going to go Philadelphia 76ers. I would me. never do that on this program. <laughs> never do that in the spirit of Joel Embiid and Kansas Jayhawks. There we go. It all comes back. <laughs> Our to Our question Bowl. of the day is this: You've heard all the metrics. BYU men's basketball still top ten in the net rankings and in Ken Palm, and currently a five seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Are you convinced BYU is as good as Joe Lenardi? And those metrics say the Cougars are. Tammy Wilson on Facebook says, yes, I am. BYU has not been blown out in any of their games. They are still learning about the tough physical play in the Big 12 that you cannot simulate in practice. No blue goggles, but I feel they got this. Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, some optimism there. I'm seeing some not-so-optimistic responses (laughs) as well. Hashtag again, you want to join the conversation, you can find us on social media to do so. Well, look, as we said, it all comes down up next. The only, the only thing the BYU needs to worry about is the Texas Longhorns, and that is the next game, the 21st-ranked Cougars hosting Texas coming up on Saturday. Pre-game coverage begins Saturday at 1 Eastern time on BYU TV and on BYU Radio. The great Sean Farnham, who has been known to grace the package of a Cougar tail, <laughs> will join us next on BYUSN to share his thoughts on the Cougars' 2-4 and four start. And is he buying the metrics and Lenardi's 5C? This is BYUSN. Good evening, Cougar basketball fans. Welcome. Trevin Nell. Yes! <laughs> the lob at the rim. Drives and dunks. Fades away. Hits it. Dallin runs it into Momchilovic. Oh, driving nice. lay and score! Noah Waterman. Tie game! Oh, what an electric moment that was when Noah Waterman tied it at 68 against Houston. BYU falling short. Cougars now 2-4 and four in Big 12 play. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. 
I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. It is our very, very big privilege to welcome in one of our favorite national college basketball analysts, friend of the program, guy who knows Mark Pope and BYU basketball better than most. Sean Farnham of ESPN is on BYUSN and will be so each and every week through the college basketball season. Sean, we're super stoked about this. Thanks for hanging out with us. Are you sure you really want to do this? You sure you really want me coming on here once a week pontificating we, about Cougar Tail? Come on. We need that's why you're on the Cougar Tail package. Yes, yeah. Right? By the way, that's okay, how wait, you're being on, paid for on. this. It's through Cougar Tails. Hold on, hold on. One one timeout. Okay. I've heard I've been removed from the package that there is a new package that has the Big 12 schools all over it and that I'm no longer on the package. Yeah, so you and me both. We didn't know that there was like this alternate cougar tail packaging until we saw it at the game the other day but the og the original features your face on it okay and it's we're gonna make sure that that gets back come on all right you've got the power to get it done listen uh you guys know that i love byu basketball i love going there and it's so much fun for me to talk to my colleagues that are going there and calling games like chris patola the other night and i texted chris after the game i said how was that and he goes (laughs) That environment was amazing. And I said, yep. And I think every Big 12 school is going to continue to find out just how amazing that environment is. And, of course, the student section, The Rock, uh, one of the best in the country. Uh, and, and I think that it's really good for the program right now that more and more eyes, more and more teams, more and more programs are seeing it because it's a special place uh, to get to call a game. And I'm sure it's a special place when you're a student or you're a fan uh, to watch that team play. All right, Sean, we spent the entire previous segment talking about the metrics and how BYU still has not been dinged for some of the losses. And obviously the most recent was against the Houston Cougars. Still top nine in both the net and Ken Palm. Obviously number 21. Joe Lenardi still has BYU as a five seed in the NCAA tournament. So our conversation was, are you buying the fact, are you believing that BYU is as good as the metrics say they are? Do you think that BYU is as good as the metrics say they are? Uh, Do I believe they're the fifth best team in the country? I do not. Uh, Do I believe they're the 10th best team in the country? I do not. Uh, Do I believe that they're one of the top 25 programs in the country right now? I do. And so I think that the numbers you have to look at and understand that the efficiency and how well they've played all goes into it as well as some of the margin of victory and some of those non-conference games where the strength of schedule, by the way, was below 300. Sure. Um, And now what they're getting and they're gaining is the opportunity to get quad one after quad one after quad one wins uh, and games. And that will continue to help their, their metrics stay high. Even as they've lost games, they haven't really slid. Like this isn't the WCC. And that's not a slap against the WCC. But if, if you were 2-4 and four in the WCC, you're not even close to being in the top 100 of the net rankings or in, in Ken Palm in the top 10. You know, th- those things don't happen. And so I think that it benefits overall from the strength of the schedule and will continue so because of the Big 12. And this is why you make a move like this. The Big 12 has been the best conference in the country. Uh, it's as deep as it has ever been. Uh, and I think that, you know, you look at the last six games and I understand both sides. One, why the metrics look so good. And again, I do believe in this team, but I also understand why your fans are like, whoa, wait, hold on. <laughs> because I was at that Cincinnati game. That's a game you should have won. Yeah. You know, you can look at the game at Texas Tech and go in that first half and go, well, heck, why couldn't we do that in the second half and win that game? 
And then you look at the game the other night and it was 68-68 with two minutes left to go. And you're like, we got to close that out on our home floor. So from a fan's perspective, I understand why you're looking there going, heck, if we got two of those wins, how good are we feeling right now? Because now it's flipped. Now you're four and two, not two and four. Um, but I, I think that BYU is right there. And I do agree with what you had just said, which is the grind and the physical nature cannot be replicated at practice. And I don't even know if your fans understand how good Houston is and how elite they are at the defensive end of the floor. And they wear you down like you go to a dentist, no Novocaine, and you're asking for a root canal. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what, what you asked for the other night. And, and BYU performed very well against it, um, but just not well enough to win the game. And there's a learning curve and a learning process that gets associated with that. Sean Farnham of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. ESPN's Basketball Power Index, and I'm looking at the number on this big screen in front of me right now, gives BYU almost an 80% chance to beat Texas on Saturday. Now, Sean, that's not a number that I'm buying. <laughs> I, I'm watching what Texas has done recently, and seeing BYU, yes, they're in the Marriott Center, but th- to me that feels like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm probably giving BYU like maybe a 55 or 60% chance to win that game. How do you see the matchup with Texas and BYU's opportunity to pick up what is quickly becoming a very, very important potential win against the Longhorns. All right. Little recommendation here for all BYU fans. Don't do horns down. Rodney Terry will get really upset about that. Okay. okay. So no horns down, no horns down. Uh, from the students. Section. Yeah. Let's, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it friendly. Keep it classy. Um, but since the horn, <laughs> since the horns down incident that took place at UCF, they've stacked back to back top 25 wins. Um, and they have played their best 80 minutes of basketball this season. Uh, So Texas all of a sudden kind of looks more the part that we thought Texas was going to look like before the start of the season uh, versus who they've been for a large part of the season. I think that when you look at some of the the characteristics of Texas and some of the areas they may potentially struggle is they have some turnover issues. They turn the ball over about 15% of their possessions, where if you give BYU extra possessions and you're turning it over and allowing them to play out in front, and I think this is one of the things I'd like to see BYU do more is I understand the three-point shot and how important that is to BYU, and I love it. And it's as fun as any style of play to call in the country. And I've had some pretty good games this year where BYU has shot the ball extremely well, and it's screaming and yelling, and, oh, my gosh, look, BYU, man, they're just dropping it all over the place. Uh, Even in the Cincinnati game when nobody else could shoot but Trevin Nell, that was really fun still to look at the fact the guy had nine three-pointers. So they have to find other ways to score. So how can you score besides the three-point shot? And to me – It's being more opportunistic at the defensive end of the floor, maybe risking a little bit to create turnovers and runouts to get layups where you're out in front of the defense and you're not having to go against the set defense. Because if you look at this BYU roster, while while extremely talented, there's not a lot of players on the outside that are capable of dribble penetrating and breaking down a defense on a ball screen, getting downhill, in the Big 12 against the athletes and the size that they have protecting their rim, that's going to be able to finish at at, at an efficient clip. And so you have, and the defenses are so good in the half court that you have to play out in front a little bit. And I think that that's one area that BYU in particular in this game against Texas, I would be a little bit more aggressive at the defensive end of the floor, try to get into their guards, try to turn them over, get into the gaps a little bit more, make sure the hands are up wide on the defensive end, and then try to get out in front because what that does is now in transition, guys are running back to the paint. Once they start running back to the paint, what does that allow you to do? Kick to the corner, wide open, bang three, everybody's going crazy. 
And now it starts to become overwhelming and it starts to, to steamroll a little bit and, and help that environment get a little bit more electric. Sean, in terms of like hand signals, as long as fans can still do the upside down U, I think they'll be just fine. That's, that's really yeah, that's what, fine. I'm good with that one. Yeah. I think that's an in-state thing that's allowed. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, that's perfectly allowed. So I, I think that there's no penalty on that one. I think that's acceptable. The horns down one. I don't know why Texas, by the way, I, I don't know why Texas gets so upset about it. Um, yes, it's disrespectful to your school, but when you talk about it, it actually makes it more of an issue, right? Now, yeah. like everybody's talking about horns down, horns down, horns down. Like, had they just ignored it, it kind of just goes away because yes. they're like, oh, it didn't upset them. It's like, my, it's like when my kids were young, right? My, my son's 19, my daughter's going to be 17. So about two years separated. When they were like seven and five, she used to do things all the time to try to get a reaction out of them. <laughs> and when she got the reaction, she was like, good, I'm going to do that all the time now. You know, versus when she did something and he didn't react, she was like, oh, well, why didn't he get mad at me for that? That's kind of how Texas is with the horns down thing. So, now, I want to go back to what you were just talking about in terms of with BYU's offense obviously being perimeter-oriented, the, the ability to be able to drive and put pressure on the defense. While, while I don't know if, if Foose necessarily helps with that, how much can his presence and getting healthier and healthier with every game and giving BYU that low-post presence, how much can Foose help with some of this now that he's on, on the, you know, the road to recovery and, and getting, getting back into the flow of things? A lot, uh, because there's a couple other things that he can do with his angle scoring, right? He's not an athlete that's finishing above the rim uh, on a consistent basis over the top of the interior presence of teams, in particular in the Big 12. This isn't the WCC centers that he's going against anymore. Um, so I think there's a change there. But his ability to carve space, get deep post position, uh, and then go through contact, picks up what? Fouls. So now when you hand check on the outside, now that gets you to the free throw line. And again, another way to manufacture points. And I, I think that, that having somebody down low that can kind of draw fouls on the opposing team because they post up hard, because they get their work done early, what that also does is it starts to limit the level of aggressiveness that that interior post presence can be, whether it be blocking shots, rebounding, even at the offensive end as they look to attack. They start thinking about being in foul trouble. And if you can take that aspect away of teams inside the Big 12, all of a sudden that lessens the strength of their defense. That's why I think Foose is, is a big part of this. I'm not saying Foose has got to be a double-digit scorer. He could maybe get about eight points per game, but how many fouls can he draw? Like when I'm, If I was calling more BYU games, I'm not scheduled to do any – uh, as of right now. But if I was, I'd be looking at how many fouls does the interior of BYU draw more so than necessarily the point production in which you are getting from them. I'd like to see efficiency in the field goal percentage. And I'd like to see fouls drawn because again, that allows BYU to attack with their guards and, and get them to the free throw line in pivotal moments when they start to struggle, when the three point shot isn't falling, when you go cold for a five minute stretch from yes. deep. Can you manufacture points at another level? And the free throw line is an outstanding place to get it done. Sean, you probably just answered my next question, at least partially, because we're just going to compare and contrast now here. What, what does BYU do best, in your opinion, and where do they need the most help right now? Well, the best thing they do is, is they first of all, they play hard. Like, and, and while that may not be a measurable from the standpoint of looking at efficiency and all those things, like playing hard and competing is not a given in today's college basketball. I see a lot of games where, and a lot of teams that they don't, they don't compete every possession. BYU competes every possession. 
but their ability to stretch the defense from the outside, the advantages that that creates and the, in the analytics world as well, that's huge. And so they, they force teams to space the floor and stretch based on the number of shooters that they have on the outside. So that's what they do best. What they, they do worse is finding other ways to score. Yeah. And when teams are closing out hard, like in that Cincinnati game, like outside of Trevin, nobody else could, could hit water if they fell out of a boat. I mean, Dallin Hall, I believe, was one of ten from three in that game. And there was at least three or four that didn't even hit the rim. They just hit the glass. Same with Noah Waterman. Well, then what else can you do to help contribute to make the team win? When you have off nights, how can you help somebody else be successful? How can you help your team find a way to win a game that's a grinder? Because every game in the Big 12 is a grinder. And I don't care if you're playing it fast or slow. It is going to be competitive. It is going to be tough. The metrics and the, 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 the right now the scoring differential in games is so thin that the difference between winning and losing can be three, four possessions in 40 minutes. What, what are you going to do in those three or four possessions that's going to help the team win? That becomes where I think BYU needs to execute a little bit crisper and, and be a little bit more cognizant and aware. You don't need to have hesitation in your shot because shooters got to shoot. Even when you struggle, you believe the next one's going down, and I get that. But there also comes a time where you're like, I need to find rhythm first before I go ahead and take that next one from beyond the arc. Great stuff from Sean Farnham. We'll finish with this quick hitter. Sean, am I crazy to think that BYU could finish 500 in the Big 12? Has that ship sailed? Am I crazy? No. I, I said that I said that before the start of the year. This next six-game stretch, just as difficult as this six-game stretch was that they just went through, the next six games has some wins stacked up there. Now, they've got to go out and prove that they're not tired, they're not fatigued, and they're mentally sharp, able to go through all those games because there is no off night. There's no Portland on the schedule. There's no USD on the schedule where you can put it in coast mode. You've got to show up every single night, and you've got to bring your lunch pail and a hard hat and be ready to go. And so I, I think that's the biggest challenge right now for this team. But the next six games, there's enough wins in there to get them actually, I believe, above 500 at the end of this six-game stretch. Sean, I'm so fired up right now, dude. Like, you, you bring the energy. Yeah. You, you bring the right energy to this show, man. We're so stoked that you're a part of it. Well, you're stuck with me now. You guys offered me a contract for the remainder of the season. So whether you like it or not, uh, I'm going to be popping up on your screens every single week. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's go, go, man. Let's Cougar go. tails and contracts and some hoops. Sean, great to talk to you, man. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Sean. Great talking to you guys. Have a good rest of your show. You got it. ESPN college basketball analyst and an elite, an elite breakdown yes. guy when it comes to just the hoops game overall, Sean Farnham. How awesome that we get to talk to him every I week. love it. Yeah. Like, we have Trevor Maddich in the fall for yep. college football, and we got Sean for college basketball. That's right. All right, BYU basketball with Mark Pope tonight. The player guest, Spencer Johnson. Check it out on the BYU TV app at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Here's a loaded question. Will BYU men's basketball be a better seed in the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament? <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jason Shepard. If you missed any of our early part of the conversation, which included a fantastic interview with ESPN Sean Farnham to kick off our weekly coverage with him through the remainder of college basketball season, just Find us on, on any of these platforms. Yeah. 
and you can watch it back on demand. Yeah, I highly recommend if you if you missed it or think maybe you missed something he said, you already watched it, go watch it again. Sean Farnham was excellent. He was so good. Elite insight for sure. That said, time to roll out your Thursday headlines. BYU women's basketball had a midweek bye this week before playing at number four K-State coming up on Saturday. But last night was a wild night on the women's side of Big 12 basketball with surprise wins from Cincinnati over Oklahoma State, Kansas over Iowa State, and Oklahoma over number 10 Texas. So let's take a quick look at the Big 12 standings up top. K-State, they are so good. Again, they could win the national yeah. championship, they, just like Houston could win it on the men's side. 100%. 100%. K-State is fantastic. Uh, BYU coming in at number 10 at 2-5. and five. And coming off a win, they've had a, a full week in between games, uh, so they'll be rested. Uh, we actually head out to Manhattan tomorrow and then uh, play on uh, Saturday afternoon. BYU's two wins against the current 7th-place team, Texas Tech, and the team they're tied with in 10th place, Cincinnati. Again, the goal for BYU women's basketball is to finish higher than they were projected in that preseason coaches poll, which is number 11. Yep. To do that, they're probably going to need to win six games. The road ahead is tough for sure. BYU men's and women's swim and dive have earned Big 12 weekly awards for their performances last week. Alexia Jackson earned the Women's Diver of the Week after sweeping the women's one- and three-meter diving events over the weekend. Mickey Strauss won the Men's Diver of the Week after he swept the men's one- and three-meter diving events. And Jordan Tiffany has earned his second Big 12 Men's Swimmer of the Week honor after victories in the 100 fly, 100 back, 200 individual medley, and 200 medley relay. That's a lot of winning. BYU Men's Tennis is in Southern California for two road matches this week, beginning today at LMU. The Cougars on the season so far, one and one. Cougars in pro hoops this week, checking in with the likes of Yoli Childs, who had a 14.11 rebound double-double for the Saga Ballooners. He's playing in Japan. What's up? Yeah, let's go Japan. Zach Selyus had 21 points and 9 rebounds for the Würzburg Baskets in Germany. Alex Barcelo doing his thing, 20 points and 8 rebounds for the Akunza Gipuzkoa in Spain. Brandon Davies also playing in Spain at 14 points and 4 rebounds for his team, Valencia Basket Club. And Elijah Bryant, remember him? NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Scored 7 points, 6 points rather, dished out 7 assists and grabbed 5 rebounds for Anadolu Efes in the Euro League. And Daniel Summerhay shot a 5-under yesterday at the Bahamas Great Abaco Classic on the Corn Ferry Tour to finish 7-under for the tournament and finish tied for 4. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right. Kansas State head coach Jerome Tang last night said after the loss to Iowa State that, quote, There will be teams in our league that are a better NCAA tournament seed than they are in the Big 12 tournament, end quote. (laughs) Or excuse me, any team that goes 9-9 in the Big 12 should be in the NCAA tournament. Oh, 100%. End quote. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. So, will BYU be a higher seed in the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament? So, because I'm projecting BYU to go 9-9 at worst, 8-10 in Big 12 play, I'll probably put BYU as like the eight or nine seed in the big 12 tournament in Kansas city. But if they go eight and 10 or nine and nine, they're going to be a six or a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. So I am leaning to the idea that BYU will have a better seed in the big dance 
than they will in the Big 12 tournament. I, look, you and I are on the same page with this. I think that's how this plays out. I think BYU, and look, as of right now, they're right now still a five seed. <laughs> and that's, you know, after coming off, after having some losses here. So I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think there is a real chance that when this all plays out, they, they are a higher seed in the NCAA tournament than they are in the Big 12 tournament. Jason, BYU could go, and I don't think this is going to happen, but they could go 7-11 and 11 in Big 12 play and get into the tournament as an 8 or a 9 seed. Yes. Why you, how you say West Virginia did that last year in a 10-team Big 12. West Virginia was 7-11, and 11, and they were a 9 seed. Like, this is just how it works. And 7-11 and 11 might actually get you better than the 9 seed this year. It, the conference is ridiculous. I am so glad we're not the WCC anymore. Oh gosh. Alabama hosted Auburn last night. Rivalry college basketball. Alabama's arena had a lighting issue at the start of the game. <laughs> In quotations for our radio listeners. And after Auburn won the tip, Auburn made a three on the first possession. So it's like, oh, man, the lights are not working right. Auburn just made a three. Let's just go ahead and shut it down. Yeah. They put the game into a delay. After that, Auburn missed their next nine threes before halftime. Okay, Was this a rivalry accident? Again, quotations. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm sure it was, but it just looks really strange in a rivalry game. Why, why, let, why start the well, game if the, if at the lights, all? If the lights are out, why are you tipping this game off? <laughs> and then Auburn goes up three yeah. steps. They're like, nope. We don't like that start. Like, Shut it down. Like, Wait a minute. They they made the shot? <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done. Uh, that's crazy. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. All right, the Big 12 released the Baseball Preseason Awards yesterday. No BYU players were featured in that poll. Uh, will BYU have a player on the all-conference team at the end of this season? Gosh, I hope so, Jason. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, I, I don't know. The Big 12 is a – if you don't know, the Big 12 is a loaded yes. baseball conference. Absolutely. So good. It's not quite what Big 12 basketball is, but it's pretty close, Jason. Yeah. It's pretty close. It's going to be tough. Like, BYU is going to have to have somebody do something absolutely spectacular, and it probably won't be a first-teamer. It'd be like a second-team player. I hope, because BYU is going to need one of those to try and get this program moving in the right direction. Yeah, I'm like you. I certainly hope so. And and I'm just just going to throw this one out there. And and if – Colin Reuter. Okay. If, okay. If Colin Reuter can be healthy this year. Because he was he's, so, a, he's BYU's catcher. Yes. He missed last year. Yes. He, he had to sit out because of an injury, an elbow injury. And people don't know. No. This guy special is a special player. If he can stay healthy, what he can do defensively behind the dish and at the plate with power, I think he has a chance. He's the one, he's the one guy that immediately I thought in the back of my mind, Maybe. maybe. Maybe Colin Reuter can do this. Who's BYU's pitcher that can yeah. get on this list? Who's that guy? Because it feels like BYU's going to need that guy yeah. to, to, frankly, be able to compete. Yeah. that's the, the Talent Talent is not going to be the issue with BYU baseball. They've just got a lot of new guys that are going to just kind of have yeah. to find their way a little bit. All right. That wraps up the whip. All right. BYU women's basketball at number four, K-State, coming up. On Saturday, it'll be at 5 Eastern time, and I will have the call for you on BYU Radio. Are you convinced BYU men's basketball is as good as the metrics say they are? We'll get some more answers to our question of the day after the break. Are you optimistic? You're still dragging your feet, this BYUSN. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in the studio, Bizzle, alongside Jason Shepard and Spencer Linton. It's time for a very quick version of the Big 12 Roundup. Only one game last night, Jason. How did it go down? Yeah, number 23, Iowa State. In K-State, this game being played in Ames, it went to the Cyclones, 78-67. to K-State erased a 14-point lead, tying the game multiple times, but just could never get over the hump. Iowa State now 12-0 at home this season. Iowa State improves to 4-2 in the Big 12. K-State falls to 4-2. If you haven't experienced Hilton, the arena yeah. for Iowa State in Ames, yeah. like you think the Marriott Center is like maybe the best home court advantage in the Big 12? It's got to be Hilton. Like, like, I love the Marriott Center. Right. Iowa State does not lose at home. In fact, they play Kansas, I believe, on Saturday at home. And guess what? I expect them to win. They, get, they, they just don't lose at home. There are certain environments that just lift a team. And the opposition goes in knowing that they're at the disadvantage. Yes. And that is one of those places. Yeah. They host Kansas on Saturday. And I'm like, I think I was, yeah, Iowa State's going to win that game. I, which is wild. All right. Let's check out the standings in the Big 12 right now. All right. After the one game last night... Texas Tech still alone atop the standings at four and one, although their schedule has not been as tough as many of the other Big 12 teams. Still four and one. They're in first place right now, followed by Houston, Kansas, and Iowa State. There is that Kansas-Iowa State showdown, a couple of four and two teams right there. Kansas State drops to four and two. Baylor in the sixth spot at three and two. And there's Oklahoma after a head-scratching 15-point home loss to Texas. Yeah. They've lost five in a row at home against Texas. Yeah. What the heck's going on there? TCU, Texas, UCF, all three and three, and there's BYU. If the Cougars can beat Texas, again, I feel like order is restored. You get to three and four going into February. And then there's some more real there's real confidence and a chance to rest finally for BYU before that game at West Virginia. Which is a big deal. Which is a big deal, no question about it. All right. Midweek buys, by the way, were Texas Tech and Baylor this week. You never know what you're going to get in the Big 12. That's we, what's so much fun about this. We, we say this every day. Like, okay, at some point, like, chalk's going to hold serve, right? It hasn't been that way at any point. It feels season. like every time there is a night with multiple Big 12 games on it, afterwards we're all like, did you see that upset tonight? <laughs> like, it seems like that's the storyline almost every game oh. night. So, Kansas has got two losses, right? They're 4-2? Right. Yeah. Their two losses are to UCF. In West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yes, teams that you would not have expected. <laughs> it's, it's so wild. All right, our question of the day. BYU men's basketball remains number five in the net rankings, number nine in the Ken Palm Index, and they are a five seed projected in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. So are you convinced BYU is as good as Joe Lenardi and the metrics say they are? Robert Colbert on X says, if BYU makes the tournament, they will definitely be prepared. Every conference game feels like it could be a Sweet 16 matchup. It really does. I was thinking that the other night. Like, man, BYU playing Houston, and then they played Iowa State not too long ago at Texas Tech. All these games are like high-level NCAA tournament games in the second round or the Sweet 16. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the phrase, iron sharpens iron? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you, 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 you will be battle-tested going through this league heading into the postseason. There's no question about it. This is a fair concern brought up by Zane Dumont on X, who says, 
not not buying BYU at the end of close games. If BYU wants to make a run in the postseason, they need to figure out how to close those type of close games. Yeah, it, it, look, they do. There's no, and but they know that they they know that they need to find a way. Being in the games is great, but you, you, you've got to find a way to close those out. They're well aware of that, and that's what they're working on. And imagine, by the way, imagine when they do start winning some of those games like that. Imagine what's possible for this team. BYU won at UCF, but again, there's a caveat of they didn't exactly play well at the end of the game. BYU was up by nine late. They were up by double digits with, what, seven minutes to go in that game and then kind of had to just scrape it out. They had to, but, they but they did. They did. But they did. They did. So they do have that to draw on. They played their best game of the season against Iowa State. I mean, yeah. they, they ran a very good Cyclones team out of the Marriott Center gym in the second half. So, anyway. Keep them coming. Hashtag BYUSN, our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Brian Maxwell on Facebook, who says, BYU's been in every game so far. Yes. It's so easy to forget our fan expectations at the beginning of the season to now. It's fun to watch competitive games night in and night out. I'm proud of where BYU is and hope they will learn to keep the killer instinct and close a game out playing to win and not playing to lose. I don't feel like BYU was playing to lose against Houston. I no, no. very much felt like they were playing to win. They just couldn't quite dig out of that hole that they got into. That's right. Number eight, BYU men's volleyball hosts number seven UC Irvine Friday and Saturday. You can watch it on BYU TV at 9 Eastern time. All right, put a bow on today's show next. Rise and shout out to one of the all-time great teams in BYU sports history. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU already apps or listen to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review while you're there. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Last night, BYU Women's Soccer held their annual banquet where team awarded team awards and they honored 11 seniors, five NWSL draft picks. This team's an all-time Yeah, great night to celebrate a fantastic program. Good luck to all those five draft picks in their professional careers as well. Our thanks to today's guest, Sean Farnham, who will be joining us once a week through the remainder of the college basketball season. The conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Eric Woodbury. See you tomorrow for BYUSN back here in Studio B. Go Cougs.